Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Um, now, it is International Women's Day tomorrow. Now, I don't know much about International Women's Day, except that we're apparently allowed to eat whatever we want on the day and not look after our children. Amen. Amen. That is what I heard, I believe, praying for. (laughs) Now, um, I'm just going to pray before I get into the Word of God. Father, I thank you uh, that you are here. Lord God, I thank you that each person is in this room for a reason. Lord, that you want to speak to us, you want to minister to us right where we're at. So Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, my words will be your words, Father, and that your Holy Spirit will be present here and you'll give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm actually not speaking on International Women's Day today at all, um, but I will celebrate you guys. I'll celebrate myself tomorrow. (laughs) Um, Today, I'm actually going to speak on the wisdom of God. So um, for those who know me, this might not come as much of a shock to you, but I have a disease that I call uh, foot-in-mouth disease, which is not the same as hand, foot, and mouth. I just like to say I don't have that. But I do tend to sometimes put my foot in it. I tend to, or have perhaps in the past, said things that probably shouldn't have come out of my mouth to people. Um, And when I said to my family this week, I said, hey, guys, can you give me some stories about some time that, you know, I said things that possibly I probably shouldn't have as a kid? And my mum, she first commented on our family group thread and she said, nah, I've got nothing. You know, you were angel. And I was like, all right. And then my sisters just went to town. Like the things that they, like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. I was like, guys, I only needed one thing. I did not need a reminder of my whole history and everything I've said that I shouldn't have said. But there was one story that we thought was uh, interesting. And um, when I, my sister, my little sister Carla and I were one day, we're living in Port Lincoln at the time, we're about eight years old, and we decided that we would do um, all this craft stuff and we would go out the front of our house and we would sell it, right? Things that we <laughs> do to do in country towns. And um, anyway, it's um, actually kind of amazing how much people, old people will give to young like kids for like two popsicles stuck together. Like there was like 50 cents and it was literally just two popsicles stuck together. Anyway, and then, oh, actually one time I, I, I made this pillow. Well, I didn't make this pillow. I found this love heart pillow and I sewed two buttons onto it and an old lady bought it for five bucks. Like, no joke. This is a pretty good money-making scheme that I had. Anyway, we were out the front of this house and we were selling these crafts and this one, and people were stopping and coming and going, whatever else. This one lady, she pulls up quite slowly, drives past, has a look, and then decided to keep going. And me, in all my wisdom, thought it would be really amazing to just yell out to her, hey, lady, why didn't you stop? Don't you like young people? Don't you care about us? Hindsight, not the greatest idea. She had her window down and she stops and she slowly reverses her car back, right? And then she gets out of her car and she walks over to us and she says, how dare you? I don't have to buy stuff from a little kid if I don't want to buy them. And in front of the pastor's house as well. And I was like, whoa, because I was a pastor's kid. Anyway, and I walked inside realizing that sometimes it is better to close your mouth. 
And I believe that I have possibly... Don't cheer for that, Michael. I, <laughs> I feel like I've gotten better, right? Perhaps, perhaps. You know, um, I Googled this week the smartest man that ever lived. And... Um, <laughs> your name was not there, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> Last night, just as a bit of a test, I put up a photo on Instagram. Um, and I put this photo up on Instagram and I said, I'm going to give chocolate to anybody who can tell me who this person is. And I had two responses and both of them said Brant. And it is not Brant. <laughs> photo was taken in about 1907. <laughs> so, 1907. This is William James Sidis. Now, William, I may have pronounced his last name wrong, William had an IQ of between 250 and 300. That is, <laughs> that is from, I would believe that, mate. Um, but just to put that in some kind of context, Albert Einstein had an IQ of 160. Um, Isaac Newton, we think he had an IQ of around 190. So between 250 and 300 is unheard of. So this guy, by the time he was 18 months, could read the New York Times. By the time he was eight years old, he could speak eight, eight languages plus one that he had created, right? And then... By the age of 10, he was enrolled in Harvard University. By the age of 12, he was actually lecturing for some of his mass lecturers because he had overtaken them in intelligence. And so this guy, super smart guy, by the time he gets to 18, he's had enough. He's had enough of the fame. He's had enough of everybody knowing who he is. And he makes the decision that he's actually going to live a bit of a secluse life. And so he... Um, tries to get out of the spotlight. He actually spent a bit of time in jail um, and then he starts working in jobs for, say, $20 an hour, probably a lot less than that at that time, um, but for really low-paying jobs just to stay out of the spotlight. And then he dies at 44. And it's really interesting because almost nobody has heard of this guy. It's one of the smartest men to ever live on this earth, a guy that possibly could have changed the history as we know it. But he'd had enough he was done because sometimes being the smartest person in the room isn't all it's cracked up to be. And I think about it with us. How smart do we think we are? How much do you think, oh, I've got this all together. I'm in control. I know what's going on. Or perhaps you don't feel that way. Perhaps you don't feel like you're the smartest person in the room, but perhaps you feel like you have something you've got to live up to, somebody you've got to live up to. And I, when I was preparing this message, I, just, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, will any of this wisdom that we have, will any of this strength that we have, will any of this um, fame, let's say if you're Instagram famous, save us? And so I want to delve into the scriptures today that we've been given and just ask that question, what will save us? So um, Felicity beautifully read um, from 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 31. And um, just to give you a little, a little bit of context, so Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. Paul, um, he was a church planner and he planted the Corinthian church and he lived there for uh, probably 18 months, two years, and um, he built that church and he established it and he taught them about Jesus and all of the, all the things they knew. 
And then he went away and he planted some other churches and doing some other things. And about two years after he left, he writes him this letter because things had started to go a bit skew if they weren't really doing some of the things they were meant to do and perhaps doing other things and stuff like that. And so um, he wrote this letter to them. And I think when he wrote it, I feel like possibly they were doing really well, right? They'd grown as a church. Um, They were seeing people come to know Jesus. But I wonder if perhaps they'd gotten to a point where they started to boast in their own strength. They had started to boast in the good things that they were doing because it looks great when a church grows and it looks great when people come to know Jesus. But instead of boasting in the Lord, they were boasting in the things that they were doing. And, you know, one of my fears here at Encounter, as we've grown and as we've, um, we're becoming more and more, I guess, more people come to know Jesus and more people come in church, which is fantastic, but one of my fears is that we'll start boasting in our own abilities, that we'll boast in what we've done here rather than boasting in what God has done, because that's, that's what we should be boasting in. And so he writes this letter, and I'm gonna, we're going to um, digest it a little bit tonight. So it starts in verse 18. It'll be on the screen. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. Now, Paul's actually quoting Isaiah 29.14, which is actually quoting two kings. And what he's talking about is when the Israelites decided to make an alliance with the Egyptians so that they could defeat the Assyrians. And God had said to them, trust me, I'm going to defeat these these people myself. You can just trust me. But they didn't. They didn't trust God. They decided to trust the Egyptian army, who was much larger than their army at the time, and and perhaps thought that the the Egyptians could beat the Assyrians where they couldn't. Now, it's very easy to judge the Israelites and think, why couldn't you just wait for God? And what actually happens is those Israel, a lot of the Israelite uh, cities or some of the Israelite cities got destroyed because they partnered with the Egyptians rather than listening to what God was saying. Now, it, it's easy for us to think, you know, or to judge what the Israelites did and to think, uh, I would just wait on God. I would just sit and wait on God. But instant gratification is something that we all wrestle with. And so um, there's this, there's this um, game, I guess they do, they, or experiment they do with children. And they give them a plate and they put a marshmallow on it. Mike wanted me to do the demonstration in front of you so he could eat the marshmallows, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you about it. So there was, they have a plate, they put a marshmallow on it and the kid sits down and the lady or the man says to them, now, if you can just sit here with this marshmallow on this plate while I leave, if you cannot eat it, by the time I come back, I'm going to give you a second marshmallow, right? And almost Almost all of those kids eat the marshmallow before the lady comes back. It's really interesting. And I mean, for a child, it's that temptation that's in front of us. For for us as adults, it's that instant gratification that we're looking for, that instant sugar hit in that. And I think think about it actually when I I think about sex. Now, Mike talked about sex a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But, you know, when the world says, try it before you buy it, and God says, wait, I know it's good. Wait, I've got more for you. We instantly want to try it before we buy it because it's the instant gratification that we get from that. And sometimes it's really hard to trust God. And I want to delve into about how we can trust God now. So verse 20 goes on to say, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has Sorry, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the word through its wisdom did not know him. 
God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. I love that line. God was pleased to save you. He was pleased. He loves salvation. God loves a relationship with you. Earthly wisdom says that we are saved by our works. Look at things like karma. Look at even when you say something like, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Tic-tac-toe, whatever it is. Um, earthly wisdom. Is that right? Is that wrong? Tic-tac-toe? I don't, quick pro crow. Yeah, that's sure. That one. All right. Something like that. Anyway, earthly wisdom says that you are saved by your works. But God says you are saved by your belief in Jesus Christ. People will say, save yourself. And God says, I've already saved you. That's the blessing of the cross. It says in 22, Jews demanded signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preached Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. So just to give you a bit of context there, the Jews loved signs and miracles and wonders. They loved it. They thought it was really important um, part of, you know, the way in which the Messiah was going to come. And so for them, for the Messiah to die on the cross seemed foolish, really foolish, because how could a God who's so miraculous and who's so powerful die on a cross? So for them, the cross made it seem foolish. And the, and the Greeks, they... They personally uh, were really, a lot, of, a lot of them were really smart. So a lot of philosophies, uh, a lot of philosophers come out of that. And so they would have these really long round table discussions that I would have loved to be around the table for, but discussions about what was right and what was wrong and how to do this and how to do that. Um, so, and they believe that essentially uh, if you lose a fight, then you've lost. So you're dead, right? So you get to think of the gladiators and, and um what they, what they went through. So as soon as they died, they lost. So for Jesus to die on the cross meant that he had lost to the Greeks. So it became, it became crazy for the Greeks and the Jews to believe in Jesus. But verse 24 says, But to those whose God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So what he's saying is that the wisdom of the cross is actually so much wiser than the, the wisdom of the Jews and the Greeks and even wiser than you and I. It's often it's easy to think about our wisdom and our strength and doing it all in our own strength. But Paul here is saying that no matter how strong, no matter how wise, no matter how altogether you've got it, you are no match for God. Now, I personally find that really refreshing. You know, I love the idea that God is so much more in control than me, that he has all the answers that I don't have. I love that it's refreshing that I, I do not have to know everything. And I have the freedom to let him have control because if he is ultimately so much wiser than me, then he knows what's best for me, right? And he goes on to say in 26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standard. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
When you look through scripture, you see evidence of this again and again and again. You look at Moses who had a stutter and yet led his people out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land. You look at Jesus who was born in a manger and yet he saved the world. You look at Peter who denied his best friend Jesus and then went on to see thousands of people come to know the Lord and to preach the gospel. You look at King David who killed somebody to to hide his sin and what he did. God loves to use the weak to actually bring the word and to see his glory come. And I think God's here tonight to say, you don't need to know it all. You don't need to be the wisest person in the room for him to use you. Actually, he actually wants you to know that he wants to use you in your weakness. He wants to do things in your life that you perhaps don't think that he can do. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. People can be really wise, but human wisdom has no, there's no saving power of mankind. So you can't, no matter how wise you are, you can't save people. You can be wise enough to know about Jesus. To, you can read the word. You can study up the history. But you can't save yourself. You needed Jesus on that cross. And that's the wisdom of the cross. That is the real power. Um, one of the, the things, uh, the uh, story of this cross and one of the reasons it's here is a couple of um, years ago, I said to Jim, I was like, I'm going to make a cross. And I rang him and I was like, okay, what kind of wood do I need? What kind of nails do I need? I was like, I'm going to build this epic cross for Easter and it looks beautiful, doesn't it? Um, and I was all set and ready to go. And I got here and Jim's like, hey, Jen, do you want me to build it? And I was like, no, I've got this. I'm an independent, strong woman. And I can YouTube it and I can see what I, what, you know, how to do it. And then I'll create this. And he looks at me and he says, and in very, very polite gym matter, because he's never, ever rude, he says, let me do it. <laughs> because the truth is I'm not a carpenter and I don't know how to build. And sometimes it's actually, it's actually wise to listen to the one with the experience. I didn't even know there was such a thing as like indenting the cross. If you come up here and look, you can, not right now, but you can see that you've indented the cross. He's, he's put it in so it's built. He's got the, he hasn't even got nails through here. I was just going to get a hammer and go like this and just like nail it in. I hadn't even thought about a base or how I was going to stand up. <sighs> Sometimes we need to trust the, the wisest person in that moment. Now, there was one story that I, there was a time that I decided that I could do it on my own, that I didn't need any help. And I decided that I would take apart my laundry sink. And so I took it out. And
and I went to change the S-pipe and stuff like that, did my research. Anyway, it turns out the S-pipe was cement and I spent oh, a lot of money on physio after removing that sink. So it was a reminder to me that I'm not a plumber and I'm not a carpenter and that's actually okay. I think sometimes uh, it's easy to trust in our own strength. It's easy to trust in YouTube, right? Because we can Google that. But God's actually saying, hey, 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 I actually know more than you. I've actually already died on the cross. I actually have the answers that you're searching for. I can actually do a better job than you if you'll allow me to do it in your life. The power of the cross is that Jesus rose again. He rose again for our salvation so that we don't have to put ourselves on this cross. So we don't have to try and do everything that the world tells us we should do. But actually, we can trust the cross. Now, I love this cross. I think it's beautiful, and I'm so glad that Jim made it and I didn't. But the... <laughs> Sorry, you guys, because it's standing up. Um, but the truth of this cross is, is that it actually wouldn't have looked like this. The cross that Jesus died on would have been really rough wood that when you'd run your hands over, you probably would have got splinters. It would have been covered in blood because these nails went through his hands. There would have been sweat and probably other bodily fluids on that when you're hanging there for hours on end. The cross that Jesus died on was messy, really gross and messy. And let me tell you something tonight, guys. God is not afraid of messy. He's not afraid of your mess. That's why he died on the cross. He rose again because he actually is enough for you. When I think about the cross and I think about what is done for us, I think about people like Moses, who God redeemed. You know, there was one point on Moses' journey where God, like Jesus, wanted to kill him. <laughs> I don't know, well, not Jesus, God, but he literally says, I, I'm done, Moses, I'm done with you. You know, like, it, like Moses was redeemed by God. He wasn't a perfect person. David, he wasn't a perfect person, but he was redeemed by God. Peter went on to do some amazing things after denying Jesus. He was not perfect, but he was redeemed by God. I failed year eight English. So for me to be up here preaching to you is actually a bit of a joke. But the truth is that when Jesus died on the cross, he actually took all of the things that we struggle with, all of the things that we're wrestling with, and he redeemed that, and he used it for his glory. The cross is God's wisdom right there. I think God wants us tonight to actually lay down our lives and to actually pick up God's wisdom that is actually asking us to stop trying to make decisions in our own strength, but to actually make decisions in his strength. So perhaps you need to lay down what you've been leaning on and actually lean on God. Perhaps you need to invite him into your conversations. Perhaps you need to pray and ask him for the wisdom that we need. Because we think a lot of the time that our wisdom is sufficient, but we actually, we cannot save ourselves. Only Jesus can. We're not called to trust in our own wisdom. We're called to trust in God's. And I was, I was, as I was praying um, throughout the week for this, I just felt the Lord say there's somebody either in the morning service or the night service and um, 
that you can't save your brother, but God can. And what he's asking you to do is not to speak more, but to pray more. And for many of us, what God's asking for us to do is not to do more, but to pray more, to seek his face and ask him, Lord, what is your wisdom on this? Because my wisdom will only get me so far. You know, it didn't get me past your eight English. So it is, it does not, it has a limit. But God's wisdom does not have a limit. He does have the answers that you need. So perhaps you need to stop worrying and perhaps you need to stop planning and perhaps you just simply need to pray, really pray. The wisdom of the cross is the power of Jesus and the power of Jesus is in the people of Jesus. So I'm not saying to you that God has not given you wisdom. You have a beautiful brain and you need to use that beautiful brain. But what I am saying to you is that your wisdom will only get you so far. But what you actually need to do is allow God into those conversations, allow him to speak to you. And I believe that he will bring you what you need. And sometimes it's going to look weird. Sometimes people are going to say to you, why are you doing that? And you're going to say, because God told me to, because I'm listening to the wise one. When we moved to Prospect, people told us that we were crazy. Why would you leave a home and pay more money to live in a suburb like Prospect? We were losing money by moving to Prospect, but we heard the Lord very clearly say, I want you to move your family here. And so we... We Googled places in Remark and we tried looking for places, but everywhere was about $100 a week over our, over our budget. And everyone said to us, well, you're going to have to up your budget. And I said, I can't. That's not the wise thing to do. Um, but I know God's calling us here. And so we kept looking and we kept looking. And one thing the Lord clearly told me was it needed to be this side of Main North Road, right, between Prospect and Main North Road. I don't know why. I just knew that it did. And so... We faithfully prayed and we faithfully seeked what the Lord was doing and he opened up this home for us. We looked online and there was this one, like literally one house in our price range in Prospect and all it showed was the front garden. Now, when that happens on the internet, you don't go there because it's a hole. It's horrible. Trust me, I've been to a lot of them. But I walked into this home and all the lights were off and I'd walk around with my torch And I clearly heard the Lord say, this is where I want you. And I was like, all right. So I went home and I told Mike, I was like, I found it. Let's do it. And so we applied that night, got a phone call in the morning saying, yep, you've got it. Which again, never happens because there's usually so many people in there. And then we said to the guy, oh, can we come and have a look through? Because Mike wasn't there. And we walked through and Mike said, what have you done? He's like, what have you signed us up to? But we saw in faith what God wanted to do and we obeyed the wisdom even when it looked crazy to the world because God's wisdom, he knows the future. He knows what's coming. So when he asks you to do something, don't look in the natural at what can happen. Look in the supernatural and what God can do, all right? Because his wisdom has no limits. His wisdom has no boundaries. And we saw that when Jesus died on the cross because he didn't just die, he rose again. He gave us relationship with him. I just want to encourage you. God wants you to lean on his wisdom. 
and he wants you to listen. He wants you to lay down your life at the foot of the cross and listen to what his wisdom says. And then he wants you to obey that. We could have very much listened to God and said, yeah, yeah, we're going to live in prospect and not obeyed him in waiting for that right house, waiting for exactly where he wanted. And I'm so glad that we stepped out in faith and we waited, that we listened and then we waited and then we obeyed. I would love us to be a church who does see the limits of our wisdom and reaches for the wisdom of God above that that understands that it's his wisdom that is going to guide you. It's his wisdom that's going to give you the power that you need to do all that he's called you to do. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.